Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. All right. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to our special 100th episode of the podcast, the We Need to Talk About Tech podcast. We've been doing it for over just over two years, I guess, and uh, pretty consistent. So we made it to 100 videos. We made it to 100. We've made it to 100 episodes. And so we thought as a sort of celebration of making it to 100 and I don't know, a milestone moment, we'd do a special 100 episode video, the first video podcast, maybe first of many, maybe the only video one that we end up doing. Who knows? We'll see after this. Uh, but yeah. On today's episode, we're talking about Sony gaming announcements. We're talking about Samsung's past unpacked event, and we're talking about Apple's upcoming event, the Far Out event. On to topic number one, Sony announcements. We've gotten a couple announcements from Sony recently. There is the new controller, the DualSense Edge, and then there's a PlayStation VR 2 being announced for early 2023. So the new controller, it's sort of like a PlayStation Pro controller, I guess. I guess. Uh, it's a PlayStation Pro controller, I guess. It's marketed as ultra customizable. You can remap a bunch of stuff. You can deactivate specific button inputs, adjust stick sensitivity, reduce travel distance for the triggers on the back. You can swap out the back buttons also. You can swap out the joysticks also. You can even save multiple profiles to one controller for specific games or for specific users. So it's a very intense pro controller. What are your thoughts, I guess, on this pro controller? Yeah, I mean, I think it was about time. There was a while where for Sony and their controllers, you had the base models, and then if you wanted to get a pro controller, you had to get it from a third party like Scuff. So the fact that they're actually doing it themselves now is huge. And like you mentioned, I think the standout features for it is the fact that you can remove the joysticks. So that's good for two reasons. One, obviously, there's another pro controller out there with the Xbox pro controller and it allows you to, that controller allows you to change the height of the joysticks so that you can get a little bit more maneuverability and you can do it independently from one another, obviously. So you can have one joystick that's taller than the other. This now lets you take out, you can do that, the same thing with this controller, but you can also take out the full joystick module uh, just from like a clip at the bottom, you unclip it and then they pull out. And that's good because you can replace the joysticks and they also announced that they are going to sell replacement joysticks. Uh, but then also it's good because you can now customize and get a little bit more control of your joysticks, uh, which I think is huge, especially nowadays uh, with all of the issues that Nintendo's been having with the Switch and Joy-Con drift. Uh, Valve, you know, made it a point where it's very easy to repair or swap out the joysticks on the Steam Deck. I think that's something that's really in consumers' minds about if they're going to invest a lot of money into a controller, they want it so that it can be modular and you can pull it out and change it if you need to so that you don't have to throw away the whole controller mm -hmm. or spend a lot of money to get it repaired like you do with Joy-Cons right now. So that's huge, but it's a really cool thing from Sony. I mean, there's still no word on pricing. Uh, this is a very early look, uh, but I imagine it will be quite pricey. Uh, and. I mean, for people who still don't like the symmetrical stick lineup, uh, I think scuff controllers might, or there's other controllers out there that I think they might prefer uh, because this still 
keeps the standard uh, DualShock layout where the two sticks are at the bottom and there's no way to change that right now. Mm -hmm. So who knows, maybe in the future, uh, Sony will and PlayStation will make a, a controller that you can customize to have offset sticks if you want to, but that's not uh, available right now. But yeah, it's 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 a cool thing from them. It was it was announced during Gamescom, uh, and it still has a lot of the features of the original DualSense. So you still have the adaptive triggers, but you can now offset the adaptive triggers by changing how much travel the triggers have. So let's say, for example, you want to play like Destiny, which is you know now owned by PlayStation, mm -hmm. and you don't want to have to pull the trigger all the way because you know reaction time makes it slower or whatever. You can set uh, the trigger to depress, like, you know, just a little bit, and then it will activate the trigger. And you can set it to lock out, so when you press it, it locks out. I'm curious to see if that's uh, the same tech as the DualSense, but they're just putting more tension mm -hmm. so that it stops you from pulling further and also actuates uh, quicker, or if there's some other kind of tech there where it will prevent you from actually pushing the button with, like, maybe a, a lock, like, traditionally. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's... The DualSense is already expensive. If they're not using the same tech to add to these features, but instead adding tech on top of that, I can imagine that this can get pretty pricey pretty quick. That's a good point. point. So you won't be getting one. Well, I don't have PlayStation 5, so no. <laughs> uh, along, along with announcing their, their new controllers, controllers they announced the PlayStation VR 2 is coming in early 2023. So. There's, There's been, been a lot of talk about the VR headset, you know, we have a lot of stats about it, we know it's it's going to have screens that add up to 4K, it's going to be able to run at 90 or 120 hertz, it's supposed to have a 110 degree field of view, it's supposed to have foveated rendering, it's, there's all this, you know, all these stats that we have for it, but we don't have an official release date, and we don't have a release price also. Now, recently we saw that, okay, Meta or Oculus, whatever you want to call them, Facebook, they raised the price of the Quest 2 from $299 to $399. And in one of our past podcasts, we kind of said like, hey, is this, is this a sign that virtual reality, you know, augmented reality, that the VR space, the metaverse isn't as successful or, or as profitable as Meta is expecting it to be or, or, or is, you know, selling us that it's going to be? Right, so if we're seeing, hey, Meta, Oculus, who's someone who's been in the business for a while, they have to raise their prices because they're probably not getting the profits that they expected to. What does that mean for Sony, who, yeah, they have the PSVR 1, but they're not as entrenched in it as Meta is, as Oculus was. So, one, what kind of prices are we going to see from Sony and are they going to be as successful as um, you know as they're probably hoping that they're going to be? Uh, that's tough. I, I mean, I think they're going to be as successful as the PlayStation VR One was, which is not to the level of Meta, and I don't think Sony can get there simply because of two reasons. One, I think this is going to be more expensive than the, the Meta, even the new the new price that they have now with a hundred dollar increase. I still think the PlayStation VR is going to be more expensive than that, mm -hmm. probably around five hundred. Um, but also because in order to use it you also have to have a PlayStation 5 mm -hmm. which they also just raised the price of as well so it's one of those things of the entry cost to a PlayStation VR is going to be more expensive and it's going to be tethered and you know all of these different things that make 
the Oculus slash Meta Quest to a much better option. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not it, they're going to see it as successful, I think they are going to be see it as successful because it is it is going to sell. Uh, people, you know, they can't even make enough PlayStation Fives as it is still, even two years later. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that people who have PlayStation Fives are going to run out and buy it, especially because we know that Capcom is making some more uh, virtual reality Resident Evil kind of gaming stuff. And I don't know about you, but anytime I hear about PlayStation VR 1, I always hear about Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. That's like the killer app that everyone talks about for it. So I imagine the same thing is going to happen with with this. You know, there's a Resident Evil 4 remake coming, one of the most popular Resident Evil games, and I think they've already announced that there's going to be a VR mode uh, with that, as well as potentially even a VR mode with Resident Evil 8. Uh, and I think they also announced that that's actually playable right now, um, either at Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show. Oh, really? There will be a playable PlayStation VR with a uh, Resident Evil demo of some sort there. The, the VR, VR 2? VR 2, yeah. Really? For PlayStation 5. So, yeah, I think if those can launch day and date with the PSVR early next year, mm-hmm. and most importantly, said on the podcast, if they can get Valve to have Half-Life Alex ready day and date with the PlayStation VR, that will still be the easiest way for people to play that uh, because you don't need a gaming PC. Uh, at the end of the day, PlayStation 5 is still cheaper than a gaming PC for most people. Yeah. So yeah, I think that can level up to success. But yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, especially nowadays. I think people are going to be pinching their pennies a little bit uh, for what they're willing to invest in. And I think with the price of the MetaQuest 2 and what I'm assuming this PlayStation VR is going to launch at there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say you know what maybe it's not for me yeah, but yeah. I still think it's going to be more than the original PlayStation VR wow I was hoping at like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, somewhere around there so I'm way off base then I guess. we'll see but probably probably not <laughs> alright Topic number two, we're going to talk about Galaxy Unpacked, which happened a couple of weeks ago. They revealed a few new products, so mainly the Flip 4, the Fold 4, Buds Pro 2, and their watches, the Watch 5 and Watch 5 Pro. Now, kind of the main thing about the Flip 4 and the Fold 4, they have new processors, the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. Both have rails, bezels, and a hinge that's a little bit smaller compared to last year, which allows them to have bigger batteries compared to last year. Their screens are 45% stronger than last year. Um, Camera hardware is pretty much the same. That's really it. Like, price is the same. Design is the same. There isn't that much different from them, from the phones at least. And I think that's kind of, it's, it's a good thing, right? They've found out, okay, this is the form factor that works. This is the form factor that people like. And instead of having huge changes year over year, they're now refining stuff, which I think is definitely a sign of how mature the foldable space is, at least from Samsung's perspective. But, you know, from the event, what do you think of the Flip 4, the Fold 4? Do you think they did enough or did you did you want to see more? Were you expecting more from these devices? Uh, definitely wanted to see more. I think that's the the thing with what's going on with Samsung right now. I know there's a lot of people speculating there isn't enough competition in the fold space in the North American markets, 
And I think that's starting to show because I honestly think these phones are super boring. Really? Uh, and I, that's the thing. Like, it's a fold phone, right? It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to get people really interested in doing a, a, a brand new phone with a new style. It, it's kind of the new, the new uh, Note in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Note used to be the phone that you got six months later with the more powerful chip. And it was more exciting and stuff like that. They're kind of making that the fold. But the problem is, from the last fold to this fold, not a big difference. And yeah, I think a lot of people are really going to start to think, well, okay, we are hearing so much about durability issues with these foldable phones. And we're not seeing much confidence in the realm of, oh, we have got this brand new technology that is going to make sure that your, your screens don't crack. Now you're kind of just taking Samsung's word for it that, oh, the hinge is stronger and, oh, the, the screen protector is a little bit better and won't peel off by itself. Yeah, it's, it's just not enough. I think they need to do something to really, one, really shake up the foldable market like what Oppo did with their foldable phone, which is a really cool uh, form factor where it was like kind of really small and squat. Or they need to do something to say, we have technology that's greatly better than our competition overseas because it won't crack on you when you fold it 5,000 times or it won't shatter when you know you drop it on the ground or something like that like just some some kind of durability that can be seen two ways though that can be seen a little bit as a positive because the reason why a lot of the competition is so close to Samsung is because Samsung's selling the parts they make the screens the foldable screens and they sell them to other manufacturers to do the same thing but that being said, I feel like a lot of the people who are buying Samsung screens are doing cooler stuff with foldables. So yeah, it's it's a little odd. Um, but there's there's a couple things that I think make it a little bit a little bit exciting. Um, like you mentioned, the eight plus Gen one, it has a better chip than the S twenty two series, which is great. Uh, and the cameras are a little bit better. They seem like they're a little bit closer to the flagship than they were last year. And the biggest thing for the Fold 4 is that the under-display camera, I think we speculated on a few podcasts in the past, it actually is a new generation of that under-display camera where not necessarily the camera is any better quality, but the screen on top of the camera is better quality. So it's less noticeable that there's a camera there. So I think that's huge. That's, you know, can get people a little bit more excited. Uh, But in terms of differences, it's really not many. There's a slight difference in the aspect ratio of the a fold four where the cover screen is a few millimeters bigger mm-hmm. or wider so some people have said in their reviews that it feels a little bit easier to use uh, when it's uh, closed a lot less narrow of a screen but yeah for me the folding phones aren't all that exciting what did catch me uh, to be a little bit excited is the watches uh, specifically the the base watch the what, what number is it on watch five watch five yeah so the Watch 5, the base one, I, I kind of really like. I like the design. Uh, it does have really large bezels, which it seems like the Pixel Watch is going to have large bezels as well, which I'm not the biggest fan of. But it's a circular watch. I still have my Zen Watch 2, I think it is, from uh, who knows how long, well over five years now. And I've been wanting to upgrade it for so long, and there really hasn't been anything that's kind of done what I needed it to. These watches don't do that. I think they're... They're really focusing on what you said that you mentioned that you wanted from watches, which is much more fitness tracking, much more accurate fitness tracking, which I think is what these do. Um, but they're still cool nonetheless. Uh, I would still take these over the Apple Watch, in my opinion, simply because of the circular watch face. 
But those, to me, were the more exciting thing of the show. Uh, the buds, though, yeah, I think that kind of stole the show because from what I've seen from reviews, those are actually really good wireless earbuds, and that was kind of surprising because the the Beans Live uh, were not all that well received, even though I really like them because they don't go in your ear, and the original Buds Pro, you know, weren't great. It seems like these are real competitors with AirPods Pro and cheaper, which I think is great, but. Overall, I, for me, I think I was a little bit disappointed. And I think that uh, that will carry on into our, our next topic, which we'll get into in a bit. But I definitely think we're kind of hitting a stagnant kind of area when it comes to phones yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't excited by the phones, but I thought they were, I don't know, I, think, I thought it was a good iterative improvement. Like you, like I mentioned, you know, there wasn't that much change on the outside. They had a new processor, which naturally makes the cameras a little bit better, makes them perform a little bit better. Um, and it's interesting that you mention the fold is kind of what the Note was, which I definitely see, except for the S Pen, which I still don't understand why you need to buy a case to hold an S Pen for the Galaxy Fold 4. They were able to put it in the S22 Ultra, mm -hmm. which really is a note, but they call it the S22 Ultra. And I really think it would have been, I think it would have made the phone exponentially better if it came with an S Pen, with an S Pen silo. The case that they made for it is cool. It's a modular case. You can swap out the, you can swap out the component on the back so it either holds your S Pen or it's a built-in stand, which is cool but also just give us an s pen with the phone yeah right um huge screen people want to use the s pen with it but i don't want to have to have a special case it's just not ergonomic the watches they're good but i don't maybe i'm biased because i'm in the apple ecosystem not good enough for me to want to switch over to that it's not running What's the Google Watch? Android Wear, it is. Is it running Android yes. Wear? Yeah, it just has a skin on top. So, okay. So it's the first thing running this new Android Wear, right? Because we're still waiting on the Pixel Watch to come out. Yeah. Um, even though it does have a skin, it's the first thing running this Android Wear. The Watch 5 has a bigger battery, like everything else that they announced. 15% bigger, so it's supposed to have a... 50 hour battery life on a single charge which is better than the apple watch at least my apple watch maybe it's just old uh the watch 5 pro is supposed to have even more fitness tracking features it's supposed to be more of an adventure type watch and that's supposed to have up to 80 hours of battery life on a single charge which is kind of ridiculous but like you said i think the buds pro 2 stole the show and i think people like them so much partly because of this higher 24-bit audio that they keep on tone. I think regular headphones are like 12-bit. I'm sure someone's gonna correct me if I'm wrong. 12 or 8-bit, maybe we'll put a little annotation like right here if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's more audio quality, more audio information, which is, like you said, makes it competitive with the Apple earbuds AirPods? Air AirPods. AirPods. With the AirPods Pro. Um, but out of 
all of these things, yeah, I would say prob- probably the Buds Pro 2 were the most exciting thing. And then foldables and watches. Isn't that sad, though? If the best thing from your, especially a foldable event, is... But it wasn't, it wasn't a foldable event. True, true. It wasn't yeah, I mean, an event. I mean, it say unfold your world. Maybe you're unfolding your ears to <laughs> welcome in all this great sounding music or great sounding podcasts. The one thing I will say about the S Pen with the case, I agree with you. I think the fact that it's not in the phone, a little bit of downer, but I do think the case is really cool. And one thing that does allow you to do is give you a bigger S Pen. I think the one that they're shipping or they're using with the fold is similar to this S Pen, which is the S Pen for the Tab Light. But it's a much more comfortable S Pen to use as opposed to the one that comes into the Ultra and the Notes. That's true. They're very thin, and honestly, I've never really liked them. Uh, now, that being said, these pens are compatible except for the Fold series across the line. So you could use this phone with a Galaxy S22 Ultra. Um, but I, I still like the fact that even though it doesn't in, it come included in the box, the case is, is kind of cool. Like you mentioned, it's modular. You can change stuff. stuff. And you get a bigger S Pen. Now, that being said, that's going to cost you. Mm. And with the note, all that came in the box for the price, and these foldables are still really expensive. Uh, so the idea that it's still expensive and you don't get this stuff in the box, I think is a little bit of that. Yeah. For prices, in case anyone was wondering, Flip 4 starts at $9.99. The Fold 4 starts at $17.99. The Buds Pro 2 are $2.29. Watch 5 starts at $2.79 for Bluetooth only. And the Watch 5 Pro starts at 449 for Bluetooth only. Our final topic of the day is Apple's Far Out event. So there was a lot of speculation that Apple was having an event soon. Usually it's within the first one to two weeks of September. So it's officially announced September 7th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and it's called the Far Out event. Now, they haven't officially said what's going to happen, but typically in their September events, it's iPhones. Yeah. So everyone's expecting the iPhone 14, whether it's you know the 14, 14 Pro. Um, there's possibility that they might have new watches, yeah. and there's a lot of speculation that they might have new AirPods, but. The thing that pretty much everyone is expecting is iPhone 14. Now, this year with the iPhone 14 lineup, there's a bit of a change. You know, in the past, it was, or past two years, it's been a mini, a regular size iPhone, a pro model iPhone, which is the regular size, and then a pro max. They've gotten rid of the mini. They said it was coming for a couple years now. It's dead. So now it's just the 14 but they're gonna bump up a size, so it's gonna be a 14 Max, which is supposed to be the same size as the Pro Max. There's gonna be the Pro, and then the 14 Pro Max. So now, whether you want a regular regular size phone, once again, or a Max size phone, you don't have to get a Pro model to get a Max size phone, which is something new for Apple. Um, Processor-wise, so the 13s have the A15, the A16 is supposed to come out this year, but there's also rumors that only the Pro models are getting the 16. So the Apple, the iPhone 14 is supposed to stick 
with the A50 and a lot of numbers come, come through, <laughs> a lot of numbers being thrown around. The iPhone 14 is supposed to stick with the A15. The 14 Pros are supposed to get the A16. So when you look at the 13s compared to the 14s, there isn't that much of a difference. Now, along with a better processor, the Pros are also supposed to get a better rear-facing camera. Right now, they're at 12 megapixels. There's rumors that it's getting bumped up to 48 megapixels. Um, their front-facing camera is supposed to also be a little bit different. It's I don't think it's getting any better, but instead of the notch that everyone is in love with, they're going to have a pill-shaped cutout and then a whole regular hole punch cutout. So there will be less screen real estate taken up by your cameras in the front, but it's still not... You know, it's not an under-display face camera, or it's not an under-display selfie camera. Um, and yeah, the event is supposed to be on the 7th, and there's rumors that the phones will release on the 16th of September. But I don't know if you've heard other rumors about the iPhones or, you know, from what I've said, what do you think of this new phone size, or not new, new phone size to the base model, getting rid of the 13 only the newer only the pro models are getting the newer chip what do you think of all that so you say in your head. yeah it's it's one of those things where it goes back to what i was saying about the fold i think these things have gotten boring um it's just it's strange because it's like the if they don't do a chip bump with the base models uh, i i think it's going to be a hard for them to market those phones as for the mini going away potentially i think that's that's smart it's done. It's done. okay if it's done i think that's smart i've i've said i don't think there needs to be a mini and an se i think they just need to make a better se mm -hmm. so if the mini goes away and they do make a better se that will inevitably be more expensive but have the design of maybe an iphone 12 mini or uh even just a different design altogether, but it's still a smaller, more compact phone. I think that makes sense, especially if the base models aren't getting a spec bump because the SE already has that chip. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if it was a situation where the new uh, mini, flagship mini phone had the same chip as an SE, no one would get the mini phone. It just wouldn't make any sense. So the fact that, you know, they might not get a spec bump on the base models, I think means, yeah, just get rid of the Mini. It's not selling great anyways. Good choice. In terms of the other base level devices, the, uh, the 14 and 14 Max, to me, it just makes even less sense of having a 14 because that's essentially just an iPhone 13 if there is no chip bump. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions to ask there. Like, what do they market this new line of phones as if it's not going to get a chip bump, what flagship feature do they say it has to get people interested? And with the more uh, higher end devices with the Pro, that new, obviously it's still going to have the new chip, but I think the main thing is going to be the fact that it doesn't have the notch anymore, it has the cutouts. And that's going to get exciting for some people. But if they don't do those cutouts on the uh, non-Pro level devices, those phones are going to be so boring. And I think that goes back into what um, we were talking about with the Unpacked event. It could be a situation where if there is some new AirPods, that could steal the show because yeah. of just how uninteresting these phones could be. And it kind of reminds me of what happened with 
the iPhone 6s to 7 to 8 kind of time frame where people were kind of just tired of that design not much was changing other than some slight spec bumps and you know making getting rid of the headphone jack so it's like it's one of those things where if they're in that kind of uh, set right now where they're just you know what we're not really changing much phone to phone I think it's going to stop uh, it's going to be a hard time to encourage people to upgrade and I think we saw this at least I know I've seen this when you know I used to work with a carrier people held on to their iPhone 6s for a very long time because there wasn't a compelling reason to upgrade and you lost the headphone jack and you lost the headphone jack so you were losing features and it wasn't changing much so yeah, and people love the uh, the home button. So it's one of those things now where if they don't do something cool to make these devices seem better than they did in the past and they're not bumping up the, the specs, mm-hmm. I definitely think it could be a little bit of a boring uh, kind of season for iPhones. But, but the, the watch, the Pro, I definitely think we could see a Pro version of the watch. Mm-hmm. What that means, I don't know, because uh, the new watch that they just released is already, I mean, they've done whatever they could with it. They've had the same design since the original Apple Watch. They can't really make the screen bigger because it it already goes over the edges now. And I think it looks great. I think the new watch looks great Mm. for the design. I still think a circular design would be much better. But for the design they decided to stick with, I think it looks great. So I don't know what a Pro Watch would do to make it more interesting. But that could be the thing that steals the show if they bring it into it. Supposed to have a bigger screen, bigger battery, more durable, I guess like a different sort of glass on the front so it's more scratch resistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposed to have a titanium frame. Uh, but the thing that hasn't been rumored or that hasn't been confirmed, none of this has really been confirmed, is what the processor is going to be. Because I think for maybe like the past three years, they haven't changed the processor in the Apple Watch, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been the same watch or same processor, just newer outsides, I guess, maybe a slightly bigger battery. They've said they've added new sensors. And I'm, you know, they've added new sensors. I'm not saying that they didn't <laughs> add them, but they've added new sensors. So yeah, it's, it would be interesting to see what a Pro Watch from Apple does. Is it going to get a 120 hertz screen? Probably not. That'd be a bit ridiculous. Um, but you had a good point there about getting rid of the Mini and then just making a better SE. Maybe they're getting rid of the Mini now so that all of the people who do love the mini you know there's loyal there's many loyalists not many which is why it's being canceled yeah. but there are people who like the 12 mini the 13 mini maybe okay you get rid of it for this cycle and then next year when you come out with the se you finally update the design because it's on the iphone 8 still which is very outdated yeah. and you bump it up a bit yeah i could definitely see that being i guess part of why they got rid of the mini and i think it'd be very exciting i think a lot of people would like i'd be interested in something like that yeah. right a 14 or not actually when it called it a 14 se they, it would just be the new se but with the same sort of design language as maybe the 14 or the 12 or the, you know they're all the same but i'm sure they will switch the camera orientation around i don't know what they'll do next because it was vertical 
for the 12. Now it's diagonal. Maybe they go opposite diagonal. Or maybe they just... Horizontal, maybe? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, plenty of options for, for them. They'll do something with the cameras. But I guess other than the iPhones and the watch, not that much excited. Now, people are speculating about prices because we don't know the prices for these. Uh, we were listening to a podcast before. Someone said six ninety nine for the fourteen. They're thinking, oh, you know, Apple's going to drop the price because it's essentially the same phone. No, Apple's not doing that. If anything, they'll raise the price, yeah. giving you the exact same phone. My prediction, I think the fourteen, the base model, is going to stay at seven ninety nine, mm-hmm. the same price as the thirteen. I think the fourteen Max will be eight ninety nine, and then the fourteen Pro will be nine ninety nine, which it is right now. And the Pro Max will be 1099, which it is now. So I think, especially the way Apple likes to have their different pricing ladders, where everything is sort of in an ambiguous position price-wise, I think it fits perfectly right between the 14 and what the 14 Pro would be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pro devices, specifically the Pro Max, goes up in price. Because now that there's a base level max, I think that gives them the ability to maybe even remember when they first brought out the Pro and the Pro Max. Mm-hmm. The Pro and the Pro Max were different phones to the point where the original Pro, I think it was like the 12 Pro, was so similar to the original 12, just the normal 12, that people were like, well, don't get that phone. There's no point to it. Yeah. And I could imagine them doing something similar here where. The Pro level device is interesting for people who want that, but the Pro Max is a significantly uh, more flagship device because if you just want the bigger phone, you could just get the regular Max non-Pro and, you know, get it for that cheaper price. But now this Pro Max device is going to be their super flagship, going to be similar to what maybe Samsung does with their Ultra series or even their, their Fold series where there's so many features packed into it that it is significantly more expensive than what we've seen in the past, maybe 100 maybe even $150 more. And I think that coincides with the rumors of potentially even a Watch Pro, because like I mentioned, the last watch I think is a really good device. Like The screen looks great. It's big. It's edge-to-edge. Uh, it looks very modern. But a Pro device, I could imagine them focusing a lot on the health stuff. You know, they get a lot of good press about, oh, my watch saved my life, you know, doing some stuff. So... You know, what if they do things where, you know, can monitor stuff like blood sugar, blood pressure, you know, obviously they already do the oxygen levels and stuff like that. If they just cram more of these health features into the watches, which is what Samsung is also trying to do, uh, I could see them they're, them pairing these two flagship devices, the Pro Max and the Watch Pro, as these devices that cover everything you need and do all these cool features that you might not use every day, but are stuff that no one else really does in the market. And allows them to charge extra for that. Because if you just wanted the bigger phone or you just wanted the nicer watch, those products already exist for you. They're already at the price you expect them to be. This is only for the people who want the biggest and the best. But that's just speculation. I, I, I don't think that's a guarantee that they'll do that, but I think it's a pretty good chance that we could see these pro devices be kind of expensive. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Apple, I could see them raising the price of everything, honestly. Yeah. Say there's some sort of, I don't know, inflation, inflation global chip shortage. Or with Sony, same thing they did with the PlayStation 5. They could exactly do that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. We have a bonus topic, and it's Fortnite is the real metaverse. We talked a little bit about Oculus in the beginning. We talked a little bit about, or sorry, Meta, <laughs> who stole Oculus and stole Facebook. So now they fuse into Meta. They're building the metaverse. They think, oh, you know, Horizon is what Zuckerberg calls his metaverse platform. But we've said it before, and we'll say it again. I'll say it again. Fortnite is the real metaverse. We're saying this right now when Dragon Ball Z is a featured collaboration that Fortnite is doing. They've done Marvel, they've done DC, they've done other video games, they've done they've done they've done it all. Yeah. They've done animes before. They just did Naruto maybe what a month or two ago. Now they have Dragon Ball Z. You can be Goku, you can be Vegeta, you can be Bear, I think his name's Barris. You can be Barris, you can be Bulma, Beerus, sorry, Beerus. Um, yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and it's in every incarnation of the metaverse. And I say this mostly basing it off of Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. right. This is what everyone has envisioned, and it's only a matter of time before. I think it's only a matter of time before virtual or who knows vr becomes more popular more mainstream probably won't be meta that's successful at doing it will be someone else that does it but there will be a time where you can go to a meeting for work dressed as goku <laughs> and your boss is in uh master chief skin and your co-worker is in uh i don't know kakashi sensei skin and that is the future that we're heading towards because of Fortnite, not because of Zuckerberg, not because of Meta Quest 2s, and not because of his Horizon workspace game. Yeah. Fortnite is a real metaverse. You heard it here. I mean, yeah, I could imagine that. And then after your boss is done with the meeting, he does the gritty. Yeah. <laughs> As Master Chief. I mean, that's the funniest thing about uh, Fortnite, right? It's that it's this mashup. So you'll see uh goku doing this ridiculous tiktok dance yeah um while he's shooting master chief in the face i mean kamehameha too i mean it's it's hilarious and it's, it's fun to see i think one of the coolest things about fortnite compared to the regular metaverse is that these skins aren't exclusive it's not oh only one person or two people or ten people can get this nft skin mm -hmm. anybody who wants it can get it <clears throat> and i think that's the biggest difference between you know what the metaverse is currently seen as and what fortnite is doing also fortnite isn't vr yet but i i guarantee they're gonna have a vr version of this game mm -hmm. relatively soon they've added everything from every game possible they've stolen the slide from apex legends uh, they put aim, aim down sights in the game like i think it's only a matter of time before they make it first person in vr uh and i think when that happens it's definitely going to be one of the the main places for for people to hang out, be your best skin, or your favorite skin, go to the hangout zone, which they have many of, uh, where you can like do all these activities and go to concerts and stuff like that. That already exists in the game. Yeah. I mean, this past year, I think they had concerts for a bunch of bands that I didn't hear of, I've never heard of, and then also Tones and I had a concert there. Like, these things are constantly going on. Uh, and like you mentioned, the skins. Not only did they put in Dragon Ball Z, 
just a couple weeks ago. They got Destiny this week, and then Patrick yeah. Mahomes as well. So it's like it's one of those things where they just don't stop. It's like you think they have everybody, and then someone new comes about. It's, yeah, it's they yeah, keep on finding new people. Yeah, I think part of why it's so successful too, along with the crazy amount of collaborations that they do, is that it's a fun. It's a fun place to be, and it looks good. I heard in a podcast recently this week that Mark Zuckerberg just has bad taste. Because if you look at Horizons, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And people don't have legs, and everyone's <laughs> a polygon, and they kind of float around. And it's like, at least if you're going to make a metaverse, make it look aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. So that, okay, if it's not fun, at least it's nice looking. Or if it's nice looking and maybe it's not fun, that would be a different story. But it, it's not fun, so people don't want to be there. They don't want to just hang out there. And it almost like hurts your eyes playing in this space. And it's not like they would need to... I feel like it's not like they would need to put that much into it to make it better looking. I mean, if you look at Facebook or Meta, Facebook, whatever you want to call it, compared to the size of, of Epic Games... I'm sure they have enough money yeah. Yeah. to to find some better, I don't know, graphic, to find better people to make it look better. Yeah. But it's almost like they want it to look as bad as possible. As, I don't know, maybe Zuckerberg just has better things to spend his money on. But I think that's part of why Fortnite is successful because it looks good and not good as in hyper-realistic. It still looks very cartoony. Which maybe plays into the fact that they keep on getting all these, you know, anime, comic book, video game collaborations. But it looks good, and it's fun. So if you want to hang out with someone, a coworker, a friend, family, you're gonna go somewhere that's fun first of all, as opposed to somewhere that's not fun. Yeah. You're also gonna go somewhere that looks good. <laughs> that looks you know better on your eyes as opposed to somewhere that doesn't look good and you're also going to go somewhere where you can go dress as your favorite characters yeah. as opposed to somewhere where you can go dress as a skeleton i mean even then i think there's there's potentially even roblox which is bigger than both of them that people are probably going to say no this is the real metaverse roblox i mean and then minecraft as well i, I think there's going to be there's so many things that are better than Meta Horizons right now. Yes. That are actually trying to be a metaverse. Yeah. That I, it really feels like they're, they're, there's no way. No way. They're trying too hard and very unsuccessful. Uh, any closing statements? Uh, I actually just uh, want to give a shout out if anyone hasn't checked out the new, uh, I, I, it's such a long name. The Dodge Charger Daytona SRT Banshee is a charger electric EV vehicle. And you can let me know if you've heard this, but it's a vehicle that has exhaust, an electric vehicle with exhaust, and when you rev it, it sounds like a prowling cat. I, I've heard the exhaust. <laughs> I just want to know, what was your impression of, Did you were you so happy that there's an electric car with an exhaust that apparently is going to be just as loud as a, as a Hellcat. And did you think the sound was as ridiculous as I did? So for the loudness, I think I saw somewhere the 
let's say an airplane. If you're on a runway for an airplane, I think the decibel level is like 130. Mm-hmm. This car is supposed to reach 120. So um, I heard it. I don't mind the sound. Okay. I actually don't mind the sound. I think it sounds you know kind of all right, but yeah. it's also. I think the video was recorded on someone's phone, mm-hmm. and I was listening through my speaker, so like, who knows what it sounds like in person. That's true, yeah. I don't think it's crazy. I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> but I don't think it's crazy because if you look at who they're targeting, yeah. Dodge is a muscle car company. Yeah. They make, you know, they make muscle cars with thousands of horsepower they make with like 700 horsepower in them their people want power they want to feel power and they want to hear power you're not going to hear power with an electric vehicle Mm -hmm. and i think if you're trying to if you're a company that is traditionally combustion engine muscle american muscle and you're trying to convert people to electric it's going to be hard to say this is a fast car yeah but it doesn't sound fast, but it is fast, but I know you're used to, you know, the growling of the engine. So I think as a way to get people to adopt earlier or to, to convince people who are maybe sitting on the fence is like, you're used to a fast car sounding fast. We're giving you a fast car that sounds fast. Never mind, it's a fake fast sound, but it's gonna sound really fast and it's gonna be really fast. So, okay. I'll agree with you with one thing. As a muscle car, I think it's definitely the coolest looking EV. They talked about how they don't need it to be the most efficient mm. car in the world. That's not what they're going for. They want to cater to their fans. And judging from what I'm hearing from a lot of people who love the Charger, love the Challenger, they like this car. Mm. And they like the fact that it makes sound that's very, very loud. I just don't know why they went with a Prowling Cat. Um, I think they could have done maybe something a little bit closer to a V8. But uh, still, the fact that it is coming from actual exhaust and like air coming through potentially and not just speakers, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really cool. And I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of see a lot of electric cars copy them. Mm-hmm. It's just the sound. I don't know. But overall, yeah, the car's really cool. On the subject of sound also, there's a lot of car companies, my car actually does this, that will, yeah. will pump up the sound yeah. inside the cabin yeah. for your engine. So... Like, I'm sure there's people out there that are driving a car that don't even know that their car is doing that right now. And they're like, oh, wow, this car sounds amazing, but it's your speakers doing a lot of the work. But maybe there will be an update later on where you can change the sound from a prowling cat to a V8. (laughs) Or maybe you can change it to, I don't know, like a DeLorean sound or maybe even like a, you know, something from the Millennium Falcon. Or the Taycan. The Taycan has a cool sound. Or that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode. To everyone listening at home who's only listening to the audio podcast, make sure you check out our description. Make sure you click on the link so you can watch the full video podcast if that's something you're interested in. Or if you're just driving in your car, then you can go ahead and listen in your car. And then when you get home, you can watch the video version of this podcast if you're interested to see what we look like or if you just want to give us views.